You Listen, are so excited. I wish you could see I, her. I, I, She's so excited. I'm like waving my hand. <laughs> hey, David. Hey, Amy. So you have had a very big food week and travel week, <laughs> haven't you? Your Instagram was blowing up. <laughs> so yeah, it wasn't a heavy cooking week, but it was definitely a big eating week. I went to mm. New York this past weekend and had some great food, but I also had amazing food in Boston. There's this mm-hmm. restaurant in Boston that I cannot recommend enough. It's called Contessa. And where is that? It's so it's the rooftop of the Newberry Hotel. It looks over the public garden, oh, the most wow. gorgeous location. Ken Folk did the interiors. The mm-hmm. interior makes you feel like you're on vacation on the Italian coast. Mm-hmm. You have these beautiful views of the city and they have this dish called ricotta nudi, you know, G-N-U-D-I, uh, which nudi meaning like they're not covered in pasta, they're nude. <laughs> not like nudi on the beach, but right. <laughs> nudi, G-N-U-D-I. Or nudi pictures, no, this is G-N-U-D-I, and, but it does refer to the fact that there's basically the filling of a, mm. say, a ravioli or something, except right. without the pasta. These, they're like ricotta and pecorino, I mean, so simple, but... You know those dishes you're still thinking about like yes. days later? I can yeah. taste them. They're just extraordinary. So I want to see if I can get the recipe. I'm not sure if they'll give it to me, but amazing. It's interesting <laughs> that you say that because there's a dish that has stayed in my mind 20 years, 25 years, and it's gnocchi. And I had it at Felidia in New York. Oh. And I don't even know if Felidia is still open, but they were the most airy, the lightest Ugh. Most extraordinary gnocchi I've ever had, and nothing has ever come close. So your ricotta nudi, which is different, mm-hmm. does remind me of that. So I may uh, have to go wow. there. So what else have you had? Well, in New York, I went to the Chelsea Market, mm-hmm. even though it's so crowded and whatever. I still love it. Yeah. I went to Very Fresh Noodles, which opened mm-hmm. during the pandemic. And they do those noodles from the Shaanxi province, the Biang mm-hmm. Biang noodles, which are hand-pulled, thick, chewy, amazing mm. Usually served, in my experience, with a lamb, sort of ground lamb and the mala seasonings, you know, the Sichuan peppercorns, and which are kind of numbing, and then the spicy heat of chilies. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I have an actually vegan style, and I'm not vegan, but I just, it was really hot out. I didn't feel like having something Meat. heavy. This yeah. was with... Um, portobello mushrooms and a sort of imitation duck. And I know that sounds terrible, but it was it was delicious. It was spicy, but but light and right. amazing. So highly recommend very fresh noodles. And what else? What did you have for dessert when you were in New York? I mean, there's so many great places. Okay, we always make a pilgrimage to <laughs> rice to riches. Well, that's <laughs> what I was waiting to hear. Yes, thank you. So that is in, which neighborhood is that? Is it, is it, is That's it, in NoHo. Yes. Okay. Because it's not Greenwich Village. I always think it's in no, Greenwich Village. It's NoHo. We went to the Tenement Museum, which w- is always interesting. Oh, this, I've never been. It's so good. This We did a tour kind of about what life was like in the 1930s for an Italian mm-hmm. immigrant family, which is you know, of personal interest. And sure. um, and then we went over to Rice to Riches and it's nearby and we got the regular rice pudding. So, oh, I should explain. Rice to Riches. Imagine an ice cream parlor, except mm-hmm. instead of ice cream in many flavors, it's rice pudding in many yeah. flavors. So we tasted yeah. the coconut, the Nutella, the regular. So good. <laughs> it is such a great place. We used to go there all the time, especially when I was uh, in the city a lot more. But I love that place. And it's right across from Balthazar. Yes. It's interesting to me that it hasn't become a franchise because I think a lot mm-hmm. of people like rice pudding, but there's only that one place. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. So how about your food week? 
Well, mine was far less stellar than yours <laughs> and far less peripatetic. Boston, New York. Mine was the backyard. The heat was pounding. Ugh. And so I made homemade ice cream. Oh, nice. And I love to make homemade ice cream, but I usually do these wild, exotic combinations with chocolate and Oreo and Nutella and nuts and vanilla cream and everything. But the one said, I want something very simple. So I made French vanilla. Mm. I used vanilla beans and Ugh. I scraped out all the seeds inside yes. and I steeped the cream with the beans and the seeds. And it's a custard base. It's a classic French custard base with lots and lots of egg yolk. And I have to tell you, I did a side by side between ours and haagen Uh-huh. Ours beat it. Oh, I'm not surprised. That's going to be on the menu a lot more because it's not seasonal. You can have it yes. all year round and add anything to it. And then I made blueberry ice cream. Now, the one is nuts about blueberries. It has to be in pies. It has to be in pancakes. It has to be in muffins. It has to be in cakes. It has to be in everything. Right. So I decided to make a blueberry ice cream, which I've never done before. I used regular blueberries. And I'll tell you, there was a almost like a chew to the ice cream. It was mm, very interesting because there's a syrup that you make with the blueberry and it kind of just really infuses the ice cream. Now, have you made blueberry ice cream? Yes, I do a lemon sour cream blueberry ice cream that I love. Oh my God, that sounds amazing. This had lemon in it, didn't have any kind of sour cream, and there were no eggs in it, so it wasn't a custard base. Okay, yes. Now, do you use wild Maine blueberries or do you use regular blueberries? I love to use wild Maine blueberries, mm. and mm. shout out to our sponsor, Wyman's, actually, which is a yes. wild blueberry company. I like using the frozen blueberries because I can make it all year round. Mm -hmm. And if I have fresh ones on hand in the summer, I'll also make it using that. It's partly my New England loyalty to Maine blueberries. Of course. Also, I think the flavor is more intense, and yeah. I, I like that. It's a really concentrated flavor in my yeah. experience. And so we're going to be talking blueberries in this episode because it's summer and it's blueberry time. And Amy is the blueberry wonk of all blueberry wonks. <laughs> I mean, she knows everything. As a matter of fact, the second time we had her on the show, when she was a guest, not a co-host, we talked a bit about blueberries. And I was so fascinated by where they're grown, how they're grown, this underground rhizome thing that happens. Yeah. That I just said, let's talk about it. So let's talk about blueberries. Let's make believe I know nothing about blueberries. Okay. And talk to me. Well, so yeah, I take some pride in thinking of myself as a fruit nerd. <laughs> I wrote an apple yeah. book, uh, The Apple Lover's Cookbook. That's right. Yes, you Which did. is a very deep dive on which is apples. A very good book. Yeah. It's, it, 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 I loved it. And I love learning about the history and the varieties and the, what to do with them and which ones are good for what. All of that was great. I, but I love many fruits and blueberries are equally fascinating. And uh, I recently did some research on them for a webinar I gave for Yankee. And I am just... Really excited to share all the interesting facts. So here's one fun one, okay? Right. There are three native North American berries. Can you guess what they are? Cranberry? Yep. Okay. Not gooseberry. Not raspberry. I'm trying to think of countries that don't have names for these things. Yes. I don't know. I just know cranberry. So it's uh, cranberries, wild grapes, which are actually berry, and uh -huh. blueberries. Strawberries are not actually technically classified as berries. So that's what, there are wild strawberries here, but. They're not so a berry? It has to do with the seeds being on the outside. Outside. It, uh, yeah, botanically it's, it's different. Got so it. 
blueberries have been growing here forever. Mm-hmm. Wild blueberries tend to grow in the what we call the circumpolar area of the world. So if you imagine like a circle around the top of the planet where it's cold. A circumpolar? Circumpolar regions. <laughs> I learned that in my research. So <laughs> if, you just, if you're like looking down at planet Earth, right. and you're just kind of looking, you know, so Canada, uh, Scandinavia, North, you know, North America, Maine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they like the cold, but they've been grown all over the world and beloved and, you know, with different names. And they actually appear in some really ancient records. Like there's references to them in Roman texts. They called them cowberries back mm-hmm. then. Right. They've been grown by the Chinese and appreciated by them. So, but cultivated berries have only been around for about a hundred years. And the wild blueberries that you have in Rome or in China are not the blueberries in North America, though, or are they? They're all members of the same family, the mm. vaccinum family. Um, You're going to do your phylum in yours. <laughs> vaccinium, sorry. I mispronounced it. It's vaccinium. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so they're, they're, it's just varieties mm. of that plant, but wow, they're wild. Okay. So wild blueberries are really fascinating because they cluster in areas. And this are, is what's fascinating to yes. me. And they're connected underground through a series of rhizomes. So if you think about a forest with wild blueberry plants growing there, it's almost like one organism, really, with just these sprouts. That blows my mind. Yeah. Because you think of cultivated blueberries and they they plant the plants. But this is this underground connection. It's just, it's amazing to me that that... That happens, and that's something I didn't know until you yeah. told me about it in our interview a couple of years ago. Wild blueberries grow where they want to grow. You can't take a wild <laughs> blueberry bush and just plant it in your backyard. Don't they tell want- me where I'm going to grow, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> they want acidity. They want cold weather. So how do we get cultivated berries? Okay, in the early 1900s, you were so excited. I wish you could see I, I, her. <laughs> She's so excited. I'm like waving my hands. <laughs> so Elizabeth White, whose father farmed cranberries in New Jersey, mm-hmm. she saw these wild blueberries growing in the forest. And she's mm-hmm. like, I want to be able to grow these on our farm. But it was very difficult because, again, blueberries are very stubborn, only grow where they want to grow. So she started working with a USDA botanist named Frank Coville to select wild blueberry plants mm-hmm. that would be willing to grow in their blueberry Begrudgingly, begrudgingly yes. grow. And they chose bigger, sweeter berries and eventually figured out which ones were willing to grow. And since then, cultivated blueberries varieties have been developed over the past 100 years. There's many of Everywhere. them now. But wild blueberries are almost, you have to think of them like a natural resource. They're Mm -hmm. there or they're not there. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. the reason, though, that we value them so much, you know, obviously we have these cultivated blueberries and they're wonderful, but the wild blueberry is like, it's to me, it's like you take a regular blueberry, a full-size cultivated blueberry, and you shrink it. Shrink it it down. Yeah, you shrink it and and, and concentrate that flavor. That's why they're so precious. And they're a big part of the economy of Maine, particularly down. East Maine, if you travel up there, the blueberry barrens where they grow are these, it's like a very, almost a stark landscape, these very windswept hills, Mm. and they're almost the only thing that will grow there. Yeah, it looks like the heath. Yes. Yes. It looks like the moors in England. Yeah. And it's kind of beautiful and a little bit desolate and romantic. In the summer, in August, 
it's gangbusters. People yeah. harvesting them with machines, harvesting them with these hand rakes. Blueberries are everywhere. They're being sold on the side of the road. They're being sold in supermarkets. Yeah. And so that's the time of year to, you know, especially immerse yourself. There's a wonderful blueberry festival up in Machias, Maine, if you want to go travel up and really be in the middle of that world. But those blueberry lands up in down east Maine are are what we call the low bush blueberries. Mm. But there are, if you've ever been to a lake in, you know, in Wisconsin or Vermont or New Hampshire or wherever, upstate New York, you've probably seen blueberries growing alongside the lake. And those are high bush wild blueberries. So that's what you might enjoy picking when you go up to the lake for vacation and and you're you're going for a little walk and you see them and, oh my God, this is amazing. And you pick them all and make a pie. And are those the miniature little ones like the low bush? Oh, the same thing. Okay. They're just a different variation on the low bush Mm. berries. So those are the different types of blueberries you can get. The wild blueberries you can buy in the store frozen. You can Mm. pick them uh, if you head up to Maine or if you're in the kind of lakeside geography in the northern part of the country, you can pick them yourself off of the high bush blueberries. And of course, you can go blueberry picking at farms where they grow the cultivated berries. And cultivated berries are grown in 35 states. So they have adapted well to a variety of conditions. I remember when we talked about blueberries last, you mentioned that when you buy them along the side of the road, sometimes you get them home and you taste them and you're like, What's so special? Because they yeah. sat too long. There's an ephemeralness yes. about wild Maine blueberries, right? Yes. It's like there's nothing better than the flavor of a freshly picked wild blueberry. Mm-hmm. But they are delicate and they are kind of ephemeral. And so really you want to either eat them really close to having been picked or you want to freeze them because mm-hmm. that's the only way to keep that flavor. And it keeps the color too, you said. And it keeps the color, yeah. yeah. So that's important. Be wary of, if you're if you're driving along Route 1 in Maine mm-hmm. near the coast and you do see a roadside stand, ask to sample them because if, if they were picked a couple days ago, you, you won't not understand what's so great about right. them. You go, right. what the hell's this blueberry thing? <laughs> All the hype. I don't get it. So let's talk about <laughs> cooking with blueberries. We both like blueberry ice cream, obviously. Now, my favorite is blueberry pie. What's yours? A blueberry pie or blueberry crisp? Ah, a crisp, yes. So so I like both of those. Now, do you know the, any history about the blueberry pie? Like since blueberries are Maine and wild, I'm assuming that the blueberry pie recipe originated in America? So not really. I mean, blueberries mm. have been cooked, have been made into pie, you know, Forever. in Scandinavia, mm. in England. As you know, with food history, there's a lot that gets made and not recorded. So we don't know exactly when the first blueberry pie was made. We do know that fruit pies were very popular in the 17th and 18th centuries, and it's very likely that somebody put blueberries in a pie. However, (laughs) first recorded blueberry recipe in the U.S. That's a better way of saying it. Okay. Yeah. 1872 in a mm-hmm. book called The Appledore Cookbook by this woman, Maria Parloa. She was a cook on an island off the coast of Maine. It was the Appledore House Hotel. Uh, it's the Isle of Shoals in Maine. And Isle so that's the first fully recorded blueberry pie recipe. Mm-hmm. How did you find this out, all this? Oh, I just, I love doing, you know, food research. There's a website called the Food History Timeline, mm. which is great for oh, looking up okay. the 
first recordings of recipes. Mm-hmm. And then blueberry pie, I think, you know, became popular. I certainly became popular in Maine, was yeah. also popularized in other parts of the country by immigrants from Northern Europe and Scandinavia. And it just spread and was incredibly popular. I think apple pie may be the sort of best known American pie, but I think blueberries really are up there as well, especially because apples are not native to America and blueberries are. So there you go. Oh, there you go. And then <laughs> on Weekends with Yankee, Didn't you go to a bakery and make a blueberry pie? I remember watching an episode. Yeah, yeah, we did. We visited a a really great bakery called Two Fat Cats Bakery in Portland, Maine. And we baked pie together. And one thing I really appreciated learning from them is they they bake with frozen blueberries. Whether, Mm -hmm. you know, they might get a tray of blueberries in from a farm, but they freeze them before they start baking with them. And there are a couple of reasons for that. The first is that when you freeze the berries, it sets the color and you get that gorgeous purple, indigo blue. It's so beautiful. Most importantly, the frozen blueberries, the sugar and the thickener and the spices that you want to add to your filling Mm -hmm. sticks to the frozen blueberries. It would slide off the fresh ones, but it sticks. And so you're just perfectly distributing the all the flavors and the thickener. So you get this beautifully, perfectly evenly mixed filling. Ah, I remember you on the episode making a blueberry pie with them, but I forgot that part about the freezing it so therefore it all sticks to it. That's fascinating. Yeah, I and it's funny because if I go blueberry picking or I go to Maine and I do get some blueberries, I do freeze them before I bake with them mm-hmm. because you could just get that better result. Now, if I'm making blueberry muffins, absolutely I'll use fresh or frozen. Right. Yeah. But with pies and crisps, where you you want to create a really nice filling and you want it to thicken a little bit, yeah. absolutely use frozen. It's so much better. So what is your favorite blueberry pie? Honestly, the recipe I got from Two Fat Cats is pretty great. I personally love to work with my own pie crust recipe. It's mm-hmm. it's Me in too. the Apple Lovers mm-hmm. Cookbook. It's just, yeah, we, we all have our favorite pie crusts. I, I right. really like working with mine. But the filling that they do with, you know, just really nice spices. I like to add cinnamon and cloves. I think that's yeah. such a nice, and lemon. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, using either cornstarch or arrowroot or flour for a thickener some sugar, lemon juice, lemon zest, put it in the pie crust and bake it. It's just perfect. How about you? It's pretty similar. I like to add ginger to my crust and some sugar to the crust because it helps brown it. And then with the pie filling, it's the blueberries Uh and lemon zest, lemon juice, ginger, cinnamon, a little bit of clove, and salt. I always add salt to the Oh, yes. Because it Salt's, brings yes. the flavor out. I don't like to use flour in uh, my blueberry pie filling because it gives a cloudy kind of- Yep, that's true. I, so therefore you have the arrowroot or you have the cornstarch, which gives a yeah. nice kind of clear. And do you do lattice top or do you little vents? I like to do vents only because- the you blueberries are so oozy and it just makes it messy yeah. and that dark purple color. Now, a lot of people might love the look of that blueberry mm. stained, you know, lattice top, yeah. but I tend to save those for like peach or apple where it's not going to show as much if Ooze the fruit, much. yeah. I do the lattice top and I even do a closed lattice. Oh, that's nice. So it does nice. ooze, but it's just kind of nice. So one of the things I learned from Nick Malgeri, who worked at Windows on the World, he put so many cookbooks out, he worked at the Institute of Culinary Education as a teacher, I think he still does, is that he takes some of the blueberries, he cooks them with sugar, 
and then adds the thickener, like to mm-hmm. get it really, really thick. Ooh. And then he mixes it all with the the other blueberries, the fresh blueberries. So what you've done is you've already coated all of them and that right. stops some of the oozing. And so that's why oh, I do that when I have the lattice blueberry pie. Yeah. It's fantastic. Wow, that sounds so good. I feel like an underappreciated combination as well, and I haven't done this in a pie, but I think I will mm. this uh, this week, is a blueberry lime pie. Lime and blueberries Ooh. are so good together. So, mm-hmm. so good. And I actually probably wouldn't add anything else to the pie, just lime and blueberry and the mm-hmm. zest. I used to make what I called a, what I call a bruised peach pie. Ooh. Which was peach with just a little bit of blueberry. Kind of nice. looks like it's a bruise. And I thought that's not a very appealing name, a bruised peach pie. But I, <laughs> I did that too. So just a little bit of blueberry in a peach pie. And that was kind of fun too. Oh, yeah. Muffins. What's your favorite muffin? Yeah, muffin. I was going to say we can't talk about blueberry. <laughs> There's only one muffins. muffin recipe in my, my book. I know it is. Right? It's, it's the Jordan, Jordan Marsh. Jordan Marsh. <laughs> Absolutely. It's the only one. We're New Englanders. We love the Jordan Marsh. We love the Jordan Marsh. I'm saying she can tell I'm from New England, Jordan Marsh. Jordan Marsh. <laughs> Jordan, Jordan Marsh. It's the Jordan Marsh, yeah. So we, you know, we're New Englanders and we love the Jordan Marsh uh, blueberry muffins. What is it about that makes them so special? Yeah, so I should say for anyone who doesn't know, Jordan Marsh, oh, Jordan yeah. Marsh, good point, uh, was, was a <laughs> Boston-based department store. It opened in the 1860s, <laughs> right. closed in the late 90s, very sadly. But you know, and many- Julia Child used to go there. To yes, Julia, yes, to Jordan yes. Marsh. <laughs> In fact, it's in an episode of Julia, isn't it? It is. Goes there. Yeah, yeah, that's buy right. TV. Yeah. She buys her TV there. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, a lot of department stores in that day had like cafes. Some yeah. still do, right, in New York. But they had this bakery and they made these muffins and they just went. They were viral before there was virality. Exactly. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> so the recipe, they actually eventually made the recipe public. And I know at Yankee... It is one of the most popular recipes on our website, people. And we'll have that link for, for you them. in the transcript. Yes. You know, it's just, it's the right amount of butter, the right amount of sugar. They're very, very tender. Mm-hmm. And yet they do manage to hold a lot of blueberries. There's they nothing do. worse than a blueberry muffin that's mostly cake, right? Mm-hmm. I agree. So this recipe somehow manages to be very tender, not tough, but it also holds those blueberries in suspension so that every bite I know. has it's amazing. blueberries. And it's just the flavor is amazing. I especially like wild blueberries for these muffins because of that intense flavor. I do a little riff on something there. I f- don't follow the recipe exactly. Do you know what sugar snow is? Yes. Right? Where you take a little bit of water on your fingertips and you rub sugar and it kind of makes this snowy texture. And you put that and you sprinkle it on top. Oh my God. I thought you were talking about sugar on snow, which is a, which is something you <laughs> totally, do with maple syrup, the episode. hot maple syrup. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow, how does this relate to blueberries? <laughs> so sugar on snow is when you take hot maple syrup and pour it literally on snow. And it, yeah, which it is wild. Like, it's delicious. Uh, no, this is where you take your wet fingers and you kind of rub sugar and it kind of gives it this different texture. And I put that on top of it and it doesn't break down and it's just wonderful. I learned that from Shauna Seaver, a wonderful baker. Yes, it's a nice little topping on top. Oh, I love that. Do you ever cook savory recipes using blueberries? Yeah, I think anyone who ate at restaurants in the 90s probably remembers 
like a duck, a roasted duck with blueberry, blueberry sauce, sauce or pork with blueberry sauce, yeah. right? Yeah. Or uh, venison that, hey, with blueberry sauce. Yes, yes. And it still holds up. I mean, it's still delicious. Mm-hmm. But my favorite savory blueberry recipe of late is it actually appears in the July, August issue of Yankee Magazine. I got it from a chef named Thomas McCurdy. He and his husband have a farm in northern, northern Vermont called Ardelia Farm, where they grow beautiful flowers. And Thomas is a trained chef. He was on, actually, he was on the Food Network. He won Chopped Sweets, the competition. Yeah, the dessert one, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, he, he did this really wonderful recipe for a blueberry kale salad. So it's just a terrific kale salad, you massage the kale to make it tender, (laughs) Uh, and you add blueberries and nuts and, you know, goat cheese. It's a really wonderful mix. But the vinaigrette has blueberries. And I had never made a blueberry vinaigrette before. It is so good. I mean, Is there enough acid? Is he use it in place of acid? It's one of the acids. One of the acids. Yeah, yeah. You know, you could use lemon juice or a little bit of vinegar. So you definitely want to bump up the acidity of the vinaigrette. Mm -hmm. But they add, you know, that that sort of richness, some acidity, and sweetness. And then you also add, so he uses a lemon, the juice and zest of one lemon, some mm-hmm. olive oil, and some maple syrup to heighten the sweetness as well. Wow. It's delicious with pecans and beets uh, and goat cheese. So good and quite simple, but really potent. And it feels very healthy because you've got kale and blueberries, which are both superfoods and have lots of antioxidants. Love it. How about you? Do you do savory? Well, you know, I think I'm a product of my era. I am kind of stuck in that 80s with the blueberry sauce that you put on everything, uh-huh. especially <laughs> especially like heavier meats or, or gamier meats like venison. But, you know, it really does pair well with cheeses too. Yes. So a hand pie of like a goat cheese with blueberry, I think is uh, really lovely. And also too, making a chutney yes. with blueberry but I think what's really cool is you should do blueberry and have something else. So blueberry and onion, maybe a little bit of heat from some pepper to kind yes. of umfit up and round out the flavors. I think could be very, very cool. What yeah. about you? Other things that you do? Like you said, you know, cheeses, making like a blueberry chunky kind of sauce to serve alongside cheeses. I love the combination of blueberries and thyme. So Mm. I would make a scone. Now that's not entirely savory, but I'd kind of have it lean savory and maybe Mm -hmm. do like thyme, blueberry, and like you said, goat cheese or cheddar would be really, really good. Amy, that sounds delicious. I'm actually going to go bake now. You're going to have to go (laughs) develop that recipe because everyone's going to say, where's the recipe, David? Yeah, I will do that. I will do that. That, Or or maybe even a cheddar, like a lovely sharp, like a, a sharp Vermont. Vermont, can you tell I'm from New England? A sharp Vermont cheese and right. blueberry and thyme scone. That could be mm, really so nice. Good. So where do you go to pick blueberries? There are some places around here, but they're the high bush blueberries. You know? Right, and the cultivated? Right, the cultivated ones. There are some farms, right? But actually, there's a lot of farms around us. And my best memory was when our niece and nephews were young, like young, young. Like you had to like grab them up by their back of their pants because they were running off somewhere. <laughs> so they had these buckets that were almost as big as them. Yeah. And we would go down there and, you know, they would eat seven of them for every one that they oh. actually put in their bucket. I mean, that's the whole point, right? Is and, you eat more blueberries than you pick. <laughs> and it was wonderful. And we came home with, my God, I don't know how many quarts of blueberries. 
It's a really wonderful experience, and I do encourage everybody, if they can, to at least try it once. Go blueberry picking once, because it really is a fun activity to do with the family. Yeah. Now, in terms of uh, wild blueberries, it's hard to pick low bush blueberries <laughs> yeah, yourself. Yeah, you just can't go to a, uh, yeah. uh, one of those heaths and start picking yeah. blueberries. Because it's somebody's farm, and you don't want to do that, right? You but- need a special tool, right? A hand rake, yeah. They're very popular antiques to collect mm. in Maine, these old hand rakes. Mm-hmm. But I have a secret spot. So Yankees offices are in Dublin, New Hampshire, mm-hmm. which is southwestern New Hampshire. And I go up there once a week. In the town there is Dublin Lake. It is an absolutely beautiful, crystalline amazing lake. Mm. Sometimes we go for walks on our lunch hour. It's like being at summer camp (laughs) and there are wild blueberry bushes that grow around this lake. And so Mm. I love to go with a little bucket and pick some of the blueberries. If I get there in time and the other residents haven't picked them already, I I do love to sneak off and go do that. So I'm going to check that out this week. I've never had that experience. It's really delightful. And then do you run home and bake with them (laughs) or do you freeze them in the office? I, I got to be honest. They're gone by the end of the day. I'm just say, snacking on them all through the day. <laughs> they're gone. They I'm not going to pretend I saved them. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a beautiful way to end the podcast. Talking With My Mouthful is produced by Overt Studios, and our producer is the never blue Dave Parker. You can reach Dave and Overt Studios at overtstudios.com. And remember to follow Talking With My Mouthful wherever you download your favorite podcasts. As always, if you like what you hear and want to support us, leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts. Ciao. Bye, David. That is like, hi, hi, I am. You know, when you go, it's one, one. They have this, it's time. Try that again. I can't speak today. It's okay. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.